Welcome to the Fully Restored Podcast. Christians often struggle to talk about areas of deep hurt like trauma or abuse, shame or betrayal. These are deep soul wounds. Friend, Christ came to not only heal us from our sin, but from our soul wounds as well. My name is Kristen Klaus and I'm a licensed professional counselor and author. And my guest and I are here to walk with you on your healing journey. We see you and hear you. Friend, if you hang with me, apply these truths to your life, you will be on your own path to a fully restored story. Grab your coffee, tea, or favorite drink, and let's get started. Hi everyone, this is Kristen Klaus, and you're listening to the Fully Restored Podcast. Today I'm joined by my guest, Amy Straley, who has a powerful story. And if you missed the first part of our show, You can go ahead and go back and listen to last week's episode to hear part one of our interview together. It was such a good interview, such a God time together that I didn't want to interrupt it. And so we ended up recording much longer than I normally do with someone. So if you or someone you love has experienced an abusive relationship, this is the episode for you, last week and this week's episodes. This is also the show for everyone to hear because sadly, if we don't know someone now who's experienced an abusive relationship, we will at some point in our life. It could be our neighbor, a friend at church, a coworker, a family member, or a friend. Now, let's go ahead and join our show where we left off last week. And that damaged spirit is, the core of that is about love. And about not feeling loved or not feeling lovable. And there's a wall that is between us and God. And in part, it's about, God, if you're a loving God, why did this happen to me? That is a question that, and I don't know if that's a question you had, but that's a question that many have about why. And so we get angry and we're hurt. In fact, in my book, I have a chapter about this. And I remember debating with my editor and she's because I I talk about, you know, we need to forgive ourselves, We need to forgive God. And then we forgive the abuser. And often in in the church, we tell people you need to forgive the abuser. And we forget, no, we got to forgive ourselves because we have a lot of blame. Then we got to forgive God. And then we go to the abuser. So we have it all mixed up in the church. And I remember having this debate with her saying, how can you forgive a God who is not to blame for what happened? And it's about our perception. Our perception is, God, why did you let this happen to me? And so we become angry. So we have to forgive God because we're angry at God. And it's our perception of God. It's our perception of the whole concept of free will and what that means. And it's okay to share with God, I'm angry at you. I'm angry, but then we feel guilty. I can't tell God I'm angry at him. So we just kind of stuff it down inside. But our damaged spirit is saying, is talking it through, like forgiving ourselves, and then talking it through with God, talking through the anger and the hurt and having those conversations because there's that wall and we can't embrace his love. We can't accept his love if we have a wall. Yeah. And you said, that word is important. That wall, like that was what it was like. There were so yeah. many walls between 
God in myself. And the other thing you touched on that I think is really important. One of the reasons why I don't think I did embrace Jesus is because it was painful to be in church. It was painful to be with my family. It was painful to be around people who had an intact life. It hurt too badly. And that caused all sorts of anxiety. And so I think, you know, this other group of friends that that you learn to embrace, they're all messed up too. Yeah. And so it's much easier to be with them than it is to walk in a church and it is to walk with a small group. And I don't think it's because people aren't caring for you or they're not trying to care for you, but their ability to understand where you're at yeah. It's just, it's not there. And they try, but those initial contacts often do more damage in showing you who you're not yeah. than helping you to see who you are made to be, if yeah. that makes sense. It was just a very, very painful place to go into the church. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, as we talked about before we started recording, I am very passionate about churches being equipped to minister to those who have been abused, to provide a safe place for them, you know, small groups and safe place for them to walk through their healing and admit like, okay, in the past, we haven't done well. And we're going to make a switch here. We're going to make a a transition, a change here. And we're going to start being intentional in how we minister to those that have been abused and not judge. A lot of times what happens, especially when it involves a marriage, is we tell them to stay with their abuser. And you're divorced. Mm -hmm. You're divorced now. You just got a new label. Yeah. You you chose to be divorced. There's another label. Yeah. So, yeah, I I don't think it's intentional, but it's a difficult place to be in. And I think the other thing, and this is something that shows up in my writing, is the American church particularly doesn't do well with suffering. So mm-hmm. there's a bit of a facade that everything is good and happy and victorious inside the church, which, you know, it's true. There's victory in Jesus Christ, unimaginable victory and healing and restoration. But there's another foot that even as you're walking in restoration and in victory, there's a foot when you're walking with Jesus that walks with suffering and walks in suffering. And I don't think we acknowledge that um, very well. So there's so much pretend going on that it's hard as a broken person to participate. Yeah. There's two things I think of. One is take up your cross and follow Jesus. Taking up a cross is a cross of suffering. And then the other thing I think of as you talk about that is Hagar. Hagar, God met her in her suffering as she left and was just heartbroken and devastated. And that's where she encountered the God who sees her. And God sees us in our brokenness and in our pain. And God didn't judge her. God enveloped her with love, so much love that she felt and knew God sees me. He sees me right here in the middle of my pain. He sees me right in the middle of my feelings of rejection, of abuse, because she didn't have a choice in the whole matter of what happened with her. But God saw her in the middle of that. And we as the church, and when I say we as the church, 
That's all of us Christians. Right. That's all of us that we need to understand that we need to see people, really see them in their brokenness and not try to fix it, not try to placate it and, and just give these little, you know, Christianese comments, but learn to listen, to learn to sit with somebody because that's what God did. God sat with her. He sat with her in that wilderness place, so much so that she felt seen. And that's what we need to do with others. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. So, so a long I, answer to your question. I know. <laughs> I, I went a different direction, so I apologize. No, again, you know, I always, we pray at the beginning and God, where are you leading us to talk about in, in this podcast? Because this, Amy, this are what is what people are feeling inside. These are the deep things that they feel inside that they don't voice to somebody else. I just, right now, I'm thinking of the listener who has tears coming down their face as they're saying, that's me. That's me. Yeah. And you're not alone. Like, people yeah. have been there and people see you. God sees you. Yeah. And that's what I feel like. That's the message right now God has for them. It, first of all, the message you and I have for them. We see you and God sees you. Mm. So here you are in this place and you're making some unhealthy decisions and it was an attraction and a numbing, but you were also learning some good coping skills. After living out a world-defined post-divorce life, what brought you to think there might be a better way? So over the course of those years, you know, my life, it does get healthier. It doesn't stay kind of in this numbing area. You know, you learn step by step. You learn how to survive time without your children. You learn how to make plans and you, and you start learning to how to develop friendships with people, new hobbies and new interests, and you can focus again. You know, those things come back slowly, slowly. You learn how to make plans. That becomes really important, how to look forward again. So that's a big step. So there's these steps that you take along the way. And so I did, you know, I did continue to take those steps. And again, from the outside, my life would begin to look pretty healthy after a few years of being pretty devastated and learning to shut down the abuser, not engage in it, step away from it, because that continues as long as you let it. Yeah. And then there becomes a point in your life when you're strong enough, you've spent enough time away from that. You're beginning to redefine yourself, understand who you are, that you say, oh, I'm not going to live that way anymore. He doesn't have the right to impact my day or who I am or say who I am. So that, you know, that does stop. It takes a, a lot of years and it isn't an overnight thing. It's a little bit here, a little bit there. So, but what happened eventually is I had spent several years in a relationship with a man who looked on the outside, you know, he met all the check boxes, participated in his church, had children, but the relationship was the same, if not worse, as my marriage. He was very controlling, more controlling even than my husband was. He used shame very effectively against me. That probably had as much impact on my self-esteem as even my marriage was that relationship. And it was tumultuous by then. I was fighting back a little bit. 
I knew something about me. I knew it wasn't right, but I had that desire to be a family, to have a family. And to me, that family looked like a husband and, and kids. I spent a couple of years in that relationship. And then finally, it was just like, you know, this isn't, this isn't right. And we had attended church together. So again, on the outside, it looked good, but on the inside, it wasn't good. And I finally stepped away from that. And at that time, really started reading my Bible more and trying to choose healthier, make healthier choices. I wasn't drinking nearly as much, drinking a little bit socially, choosing to do things that I like to do. I was in a pretty good spot. And I met somebody quite a bit after that, actually, because in the meantime, there was a PPO that had to be issued against that man. It was a lot, the breakup wasn't long, but the time after that, extracting him from my life, it took some time. Not that I wavered on my decision. It just took a lot of time and a lot of effort and some legal effort to get him out of my life. But following that relationship, I had met a man and just fell madly in love, (laughs) probably healthy enough to fall in love. He was kind. He was good. The first man who ever really treated me in a way that was kind, that was very short-lived. It was a very quick relationship. He wasn't ready to be in a relationship and he was going through a lot of things that he needed to take care on on his own. And I came out of that just totally devastated and very brokenhearted. And it was different than the first time going to the divorce. I didn't respond the same way. This time it was God. I knew God was in this. It was almost audible, his voice saying, you know, this isn't about him. This is about me and you. And you've done it your way long enough and it's not working. And this time we're going to do it my way. (laughs) And I went into a season of total darkness. God just really put me on my face. And I didn't approach that darkness with drinking or running or numbing. It was a head first. Okay, God, you know, it was on my knees, prayer in the the word, night after night after night after night. And it lasted about three months. And the best way to describe it, my dad described it so well. It was like I was in a cosmic battle of tug of war where God had me, but Satan was after me. And it was the most intense time of spiritual warfare that I've ever encountered. And the and it was just darkness, but always I knew God was present. There were times during that period when I thought like, I would die. And it's so difficult to explain and just calling out to the Lord and he would show up, you know, and all of a sudden all that anxiety, all that chaos, all that darkness would go away. And I could rest in total peace until it would come back. So there was just patterns of that in my My default was not to escape it. My default was to go straight to the Word, straight to my knees, straight to any type of worship music, any type of sermon or teaching or podcast. You know, it was like 24-7. And at the end of that three months, I went back into counseling and I hadn't been in counseling for a long time. And I went back into counseling because I couldn't do it anymore. I was just really at the end of what I could do. I didn't know how to get out of this repeat pattern to survive anymore. And I went to the counselor and it was interesting. It was, it was like everything happened to keep me away from that counseling session. There was a snowstorm. I went at 7 a.m. in the morning and my appointment was at 7 p.m. 
in the evening. It was just little hurdles that came up during that day to keep me from going to that counseling session that evening. And when I got there, the woman, you know, she was talking to me. Mostly I was just crying and she would give me a Bible verse and I was able to give her one back and she would give me another one. And finally, she just said, you know what, Amy, you're in a valley and you're almost finished. You're just almost there. And she could see that from a spiritual perspective. And I could not see that because to me, it was just, how do I survive the next minute? And within 48 hours, that darkness was gone right over me. So that, and when it left, it was just like, like I could breathe and, you know, I have a different place. And what happened was God became so real to me during that three month time period that I knew I couldn't live without him. And so, you know, you always think that you're going to come to this point of pure victory, you know, now I can live happily ever after. It's not how God works. So after that time period, he really set me into a time of what I look back and think of as sanctification. So he had to walk me through these different lessons, one lesson at a time. A lot of it was me giving things up. A lot of it was teaching me to look to him. A lot of it was teaching me who he was. He equipped me from a spiritual battling standpoint, you know, teaching me to be in the word and the power of prayer, the power of praise, just giving me all these tools to combat sometimes myself you know, because I had old patterns and old habits. And, you know, I'm a pit dweller. I know how to go to the pit. Well, he had to teach me how to get out of the pit. So that, that time, just really slowly walking me through all those lessons really lasted about 18 months. And when I say that living in the promise of knowing that he loves me and will never leave me, those were the last lessons that I could live in. And last meaning, you know, there's always lessons. He's teaching us. He's growing us. He's sanctifying us continually. But really what marked a season of, you know, you're my daughter. I love you. I have good things for you. You can trust me. Like that was huge that I could trust him because even after he walked me through that darkness and brought me into a season that wasn't so dark, I lived in fear that he would leave me, that he was finished. I got you this far. You can get the rest of the way on your own, (laughs) you know? So really this whole time of just teaching me that he was for me, not against me, that he would never leave me or forsake me, that he loved me, that he knew me, that shame, I didn't have to hide behind shame, you know, going back and peeling back all of those hurts and all of those choices and all of those disappointments, you know, he walked me through each and every one of those backwards as he healed me and tore down those walls, one wall after another wall after another wall. Really, so in the end that I can live in a way that's authentic, transparent, yeah. confident, you know, in my life's not perfect. We have difficult things. You know, I'm a single mom with two teenage kids. Um, I run a household and I, I work full time. You know, that's not easy. And there was a lot of healing that had to happen in my relationship with my children as well, because they have to learn to trust me again, because some of those decisions that I made have impacted them in a negative way. And the whole divorce had impacted them, significantly changed their life. So really working through a lot of healing there as well. So it's a huge journey of God's faithfulness and really 
God never left me ever during all that time, during my marriage, during choosing to do things my own way. He never left me. And then just really coming to the end of myself. And he's okay, now we're going to rebuild you (laughs) one Lego block at a time. Yeah. And you said a couple of things that were really important that I just want the listener to grasp and understand. I always refer to it as a bike pathway. So if you imagine a dirt bike pathway, and if you ride your bike on that day after day, numerous times a day, eventually what happens, there are grooves that take place in that dirt pathway. And so then your bike just automatically drops into that whenever you ride that bike pathway. That's how we are. So we have these automatic ways that we fall back into for coping. And so getting back into another relationship that is unhealthy and controlling is going into those old bike pathways. And it takes work to create new grooves in that dirt pathway. And we have to be very purposeful. And I'm a very image imagery person. And so, you know, I see pictures. And so if you imagine that bike and there's grooves, but you're being very purposeful saying, no, I'm not going to go into those grooves. I got to create new grooves. It takes work. And that couple of months that ended up, you know, that whole 18 months, but, you know, talking about that darkness and being on your knees in prayer and in the word night after night. And that your, your dad said that it was like a cosmic battle of tug of war. And, but that what happened is eventually there were these new patterns, new grooves, new pathways. Think of this that were created that your default was no longer the unhealthiness. Your default became go to the word, go to prayer, listen to worship music, find a podcast, listen to teaching, those quote scriptures, those became your new patterns, your new pathways that this is what I go to when life becomes difficult or hard. I don't go to those unhealthy patterns that I have done for years in my life. And for the listener, that's exactly it, Kristen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not easy. It's tremendously difficult. And Satan doesn't want you to do that, right? He wants you to live your life in a rut because if he can lead you straight to hell, if he can destroy you, if he can just take yeah. the promises that God has for you away from you, um, he's happy to do that. And it's not easy, but it's so worth it. You know, there's peace there that you can't have any other way. There's goodness there that you can't have any other way. There's a sense of God's presence that you can't have it any other way. Yeah. So, and every time God is so faithful in the beginning, he's, he's harder to find now and it takes a little more work, but in the beginning when he is just really demonstrating his faithfulness and really leading you down a path of restoration, he is so good to show up. And entreat your heart to these things, these very intimate gifts and delights that just really reinforces his presence. And every time you, every step you take in obedience, it seems like he rewards that, you know, pretty quickly, it seems in the beginning where he shows that. Now he sends, you know, now after this time, he's, he's more likely to send me to his word, to find an answer or send me yeah. into silent time to really find his presence. 
But in the beginning, it wasn't like that. It was God was so, so present, um, almost audibly at times. Because he knows how desperate we are. Um, Yeah. He knows how desperate we are. And he knows he knows that we need him moment by moment. Yes. Like it, it is literally, yeah, it is literally a moment by moment. I need you because the battle is so real. And um, I'm thinking about when I was in my own tug of war, describing what you talked about. That was when the thoughts of not wanting to live came to me. Those were the, the suicidal thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And not that maybe I was suicidal, but that if you just want to take me home right now, that's fine. Like I can't yes. live here. I can't be in this moment. Yeah, Yeah, it was very much similar. Yeah. And for me, the story was different just because I was a new Christian, wasn't raised in a Christian home. And when I was trying to stop numbing myself, the pain was hitting me so hard. And I can remember sitting on the bathroom floor, leaning against the wall with a bottle of pills in my hands saying, I can't, I can't take it anymore. And God was new to me. And I said, God, if you're real, send help. And he did. And he did. He did send help. And then he stayed right with me. <laughs> like he didn't leave me so close. Not that he ever leaves us, but it was so, I was so aware of his presence. Yeah. Because I so needed that. I so needed that. Just like you so needed that. And just like the listener who maybe so needs that. So, Amy, with your life experience and where God has brought you today, what are two or three things you can share with our listeners as they begin their journey of healing? I, I think, you know, that very first thing, even that you just said, don't be afraid to cry out to him. Like, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're yeah. here, you better, you better show up. Yes. I need you right now. And I think just laying that out and don't be afraid to lay out everything that's going on you know, everything that you've done, everything that's hurt you, everything that you think has been unfair. He knows already, you know, he knows the choices you've made. He can see past that mask of shame that you wear, even the things that aren't, that you didn't choose that happened to you, that somehow you think that they're your fault. He sees those things too. So just really encourage the listener to say those things out loud, to write them, you know, God doesn't care if, if it all comes out at once. He doesn't care if it comes out messy, but to be willing to lay those out. So to call out to him, to be willing to be transparent with him, and he'll walk you through that. None of this is really on you. You'll see as you walk farther and farther that he's, he's helping you along the way. And then get into the word. Being in the Bible changed my life. I did that following that season of darkness. I started read through the Bible in a year. And I've done that. This is my third year. I'm just wrapping up my third year. His word has changed my life of all things. And it's the easiest thing to do. It's not a hard thing. It's very available in the United States. Yeah. Those are probably, those are probably so simple, right? Yeah. But in the beginning, those are the things. Yeah, absolutely. So how can people connect with you, Amy? I write a blog, a weekly blog, and they can find that at astraley.net. And that blog is called Stepping Brave. And it's really mostly about wherever God has me at the time. It's really about living a life of discipleship, what that looks like, acknowledging that it's not easy and that there are difficulties that we encounter, but also wonderful things that God, you know, we, we haven't talked about that a lot, but 
Jesus is faithful and he's good and he's kind and he's loving in real tangible ways. He's not a faraway God. He's a very close in the midst type of God. Um, so they can find me there and they can find me on Instagram at a underscore Straley. Well, and I feel like, you know, normally I ask the question, tell us your fully restored story, but I feel like the thread of it was throughout what we talked about today of how God restored you. And I'm so grateful for you sharing with us today. So in these last few moments, could you pray with our listeners? Um, yes, certainly. And certainly. And thank you, Kristen, for helping me and walking me through that. I appreciate it. It's always a little more difficult to talk about than I remember from the last time I talked about it. So thank you very much for your grace. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, Papa, we just thank you for this time. And thank you for individuals who are faithful to take their stories, to help them see other people who are in those stories because we need to be seen. And I pray for the listener who feels like she's not being seen Mm, or that she feels like she's the only one or that she feels like she's all alone because she's not, because you're present and you see, and nothing would delight your heart more than to pull her up and restore her and give her the opportunity to live out the promises that you've already written over her life, that you've already spoken over her life, that you've already chosen her mm, yes, Lord. for her life. And Father, we don't know why you give us hard stories, but we pray that they give you glory. And we pray that um, we're faithful to live them out um, to your glory and your ability to heal and your ability to restore. And I just pray, Father, that we as a church, we as your people, as your bride, would do a job that gives you honor of loving each other, of loving the least of these, of loving the broken, of loving those that are hiding. Father, help us to walk like Jesus walked. And thank you for Kristen and her commitment to women and to Jesus Christ. And I thank you for this time that we've had together. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Amy, for joining us today. Our show notes and all the links shared with us today can be found at my website, fullyrestored.love. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all of our shows. And I would so appreciate it if you would leave a rating as well on whatever platform you're listening to this on. If you could go ahead and do that as soon as the show is over. I would really appreciate that. I want to stay connected with you as well. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Both of those are at author Kristen Klaus. I pray that this episode of Fully Restored Podcast ministered to you, encouraged you, that you are walking away knowing, just as Amy prayed, that you are seen, that God sees you, and that you would begin to call out to Him, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what emotions are going on inside, to begin to call out to Him and get yourself into the Word, because that is where we find our strength. And that will walk you and help you to walk out your own fully restored story. And remember, friends, nothing or no one is beyond restoration with our Jesus.